Alright, alright, ladies and gentlemen, I am back. I had to get some stories. Uh, get ready. We have five stories to talk about for the bite victims in the state of Vermont that have been missing for a long period of time, which I am offered and glad to do this, to do these stories. So our first case victim is a long old story. Her name's Heidi Dawn Wilbur. She's been missing since 2991. Middletown Springs, Vermont, endures runaway white female, date of birth 12 13 1974. She would be 46 years old now. She was 16 years old at the time, 5 foot 3 to 100 to 115 pounds. This was her, this is what she had. Caucasian female, blonde hair, blue eyes. Heidi has one inch scar on her forehead, a scar on her left hand, a scar on her left wrist, a scar on her right leg, and a dimple on her left cheek. She has a tattoo of a tiger on the back of her left shoulder and a tattoo of a rose on her ankle. And now, the story of missing Heidi. Heidi was last seen in Middletown Springs, Vermont on February 9, 1991. She was in the custody of a Vermont Department of Social and Re uh, Rehabilitation Services at the time and was living in a foster home in rural, uh, Rutland City, Vermont. Heidi got a weekend pass to visit her biological family in Middletown Springs and was last seen at a relative's home. Authorities believe that she left on her own accord and hitchhiking out of the area. Heidi's family thinks she traveled to Florida after her disappearance and may still be lived there. A relative might have seen her while, uh, while vacationing at the time in Walt Disney World in Big Lake, Florida. And there are other reporters of her living in the state. She may have been arrested in Florida in the spring of 2012, but this hasn't been confirmed. Her case still remains unsolved. So she probably used a different name at the time and um, from that in 2012. So that is the law missing case of Miss Heidi. Uh, Miss Heidi, if you are alive, I hope you and your family. Um, I hope that you are you are okay. People that have been missing, they want to know. So Vermont State Police, of course, missing nationals, been exploited missing children. You have that number. Vermont State Police, 802 773-9101 You can remain anonymous and you can make a difference. Now, another case that has been long overdue, been missing. Marble Ace Anderson A-R-V-I-D-O-S-O-N Been missing since 827 to, uh, excuse me, 827-2011 in Barbaro, uh, Vermont, engaged missing, male, white, date of birth, 6-14-1994, 26 years old now, he was 17 years old at the time, 6'2", 165 pounds, he was wearing a black button-down shirt, black pants, black hiking boots, and a black uh, uh, fora. He is also classified as a special needs child. 
is however high functioning. Caucasian male, blonde hair, blue eyes. Marvel's nickname is Marb. His hair was shorter length at the time of his disappearance and has scars on his arm, body from self-inflicted cuts. He smokes cigarettes. So that's always a big key. So now this is his story. Marl was last seen at his home in Marble Road in Battleboro, Vermont on August 27, 2011. At 1.15 p.m. on his housemates, one of his housemates heard him answer the door and invite an unknown male inside. He apparently left the house sometime afterwards, leaving a note saying he was going out for a walk and would be back shortly. He was supposed to meet his girlfriend at 4 p.m., but never showed up. He was never been heard from again. Marble lived with the foster parents and another child at the time of his disappearance. He had been in foster care since the ninth grade, having stayed with two families. He was still close to his first foster mother and visited her several times a week. All his loved ones stated, stated they didn't think he would run away. And this was uncircumstantial of his behavior. He was a good student about to start his senior year at Vetterboro Union High School and was considering colleges, including the University of Vermont. His family and friends stated he was happy and had no reason to leave home. He didn't own a cellular phone at the time of his disappearance. Shortly after Morble was last seen, a tropical storm, Irene flooded most of the country, or excuse me, most of the county. He is an avoided hiker and there was this speculation that he got lost or drowned as a result of the flood. Extensive searches of the air turned up no sign of him or his body. The person who visited him the day he vanished has never been identified. Marvel disappearance remains unsolved. So if you know anything, please make that call to the National Sport Admission Children or Battle Road Police Department in Vermont 802 257 7950. Now, before I, I get to the next case, remember, he was there was saying that one of his roommates said an unknown male came in the house. He let him in. So that can be a very big clue. Or the worst of us, the worst of yet, his body was swollen away from the Hurricane Irene when that happened in 2011. Those are big stories, big circumstances, but leaves very big questions. And we would love to know why. We would love to know where he could be at. So if you know anything, please make that call. And if you know the gentleman that came into that house that day, please tell him to turn himself in. They just have questions to ask. They're not saying he's a murderer. The next case goes Grace Noel Ria. She's been missing since 6-6-1978 in Jericho, Vermont. And engaged missing. Six female, white. Date of birth is 2-10-1973. Uh, she would be 48, at 48 years old. She was missing at the time, 5 years old. 30 pounds, at Caucasian female, brown hair, brown eyes. Grace's nickname is Gracie. Now, there is a, there is a big, cute story. Gracie and her mother, Grace Marie Cantoria, disappeared from their residence on Hanley Lane in rural Jericho, Vermont, on June 6, 1978. 
They live in a 10-acre plot. Grace allegedly left a note stating that she and Gracie were leaving their home voluntarily and had no plans to return. Neither of them has heard from them again. Grace's husband, Michael Eugene Rehab, reported his wife and daughter missing to the Vermont State Police on June 11, 1978, just five days after their disappearance. Michael then fled for a, followed a divorce from Grace on June 16, 1978, ten days after she vanished. He said a, he said a, a gestation and intolerable serenity and as for his reasons, a dissolution of marriage. He and his grace were also the parents of two sons who were 11 and 7 years old in 1978. Grace's relatives stated it would be un unrealistic to her and abandoned her two sons. Authorities questioned Michael regarding his wife and daughter disappearance shortly after filed the police reports in 1978. He and Grace married in 1965 when he was 20 and she was 19. Michael admitted that he had several external affairs while wed to Grace, and he was having one at the time of her disappearance. There were reports that Grace was physically abused by Michael. He, men he mentioned that Grace took their daughter of her own free will and simply vanished. In a letter he wrote to Grace's family members in December 1978, Michael stated he believed Grace had left because she was having an affair and she left her sons behind because they knew about the affair. Michael was granted the divorce from Grace in July 1979. Just one year after she was last seen, he married their children's former babysitter in November 79 in 1983. He lost his job in air traffic control and moved his family to Florida. Michael and his second wife divorced in 1985. He continued to tell authorities that he believed Grace and Gracie were living with Grace's relatives and stated he hoped Grace would contact in the future. Grace's family, however, continued to investigate the disappearance and heard from neither Grace or Gracie in 1970, since 1978. The missing person case was report, re reopened in the summer of 1987. Extensive searches of the reefs Former Vermont property have been conducted since 1978. Investigates have not located any sign of Grace or Gracie's whereabouts. The, case the cases were reclassified as homicides in 1996. Michaels remarried for a third time by the mi uh, mid-1990s. In May 96, one of Grace's sons died in Germany of natural causes. Vermont authorities interviewed Michael in Florida in September. He continued to claim he believed his former wife and daughter were alive and well. Michael left his home in Jupiter, uh, Florida on October 26, 1996. He drove his gray 1994 pickup truck with Florida plate number JJC55G to New Orleans, Louisiana. And bank record showing he made a withdrawal at a New Orleans ATM. Michael and Grace surviving son reports his father is a missing as a missing person to the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Department in November '96. Michael's truck was located at the airport in New Orleans in December '96, but there was no trace of him. 
He took only his toothbrush and cigarettes. A photo of Michael from 1996 was posted with this case. In June 2006, authorities changed Michael was a first-degree murder connection with Grace's disappearance and second-degree murder in connection with Gracie's. They terrorized that Grace was killed because he, she found out about Michael's affair, and Gracie was killed because she witnessed her mother's murder. Michael remained at large, however, and renewed, renewed attempts to locate him come to nothing for the next four years. In June 2010, investigators announced they had identified Michael as a John Doe from Yuma, Arizona on January 10, 1997. Michael abducted a man at gunpoint and stole his car. His victim escaped and Michael was forced to pull over on the highway after a high-speed chase. Michael shot himself in the head before law enforcement officers could arrest him. His identity was unknown until a fingerprint match was made 13 and a half years later. Authorities have contacted over 25 over 25 digs and reached former Vermont property since 1996. They still believe Grace and Gracie's remains are buried somewhere on the property and still hope to recover them. Foul play is expected to play in their case due to the circumstances involved. So if anybody does know anything, please call the Vermont State Police 802-524-5993. This coward took his own life. Because he knew the gig was going to be up. He knew they would find those two victims. But he also left another victim. His son. Who is still alive today out of his three. Out of his other two siblings. He's the only one alive right now to this day. And I guarantee you. Him and his family are wanting justice. Wanting sympathy. And need the truth. That's all we would love to hear is the truth. That they're a found, alive, new names, just anything. Now we go to our next case. Selena Jean Winger. She's been missing since 3-21-1979 in Burlington, Vermont. Endangered, uh, missing, female, white, date of birth, 4-24-1962. She would be 59 years old. At the time of her disappearance, she was 16 years old, 5 foot 3 to 5 foot 4, 105 to 120 pounds. She wore a green and white striped shirt, blue jeans, low top, low top sneakers, and rings on every finger. She also had blonde hair, blue eyes. Selena's ears are pierced on each on one time each. Her nickname is Candy. Excuse me. Her nickname is Cindy. I'm sorry about that. So once again, her nickname is Cindy. She has a cross-shaped scar on her left ankle and a slight gap between her front teeth. So now, the story. Selena was last seen at her family's home in the 100 block of Forest Street on March 21, 1979. She was left home to visit a friend and never returned. Prior to her disappearance, she had fallen in love with a bad crowd and begun smoking marijuana. Her family and Selena, in particular, had gotten, un, excuse me, gotten threatening phone calls until they finally got an unlisted telephone number. After her disappearance, Selena's family got an anonymous phone call saying Selena had been murdered and her body was in a whiskey river. Investigators never searched, never searched the river, but the tip has not been verified. 
One of her sister's friends says he she la, 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 says she found a clot a clump of blonde hair while fishing in the river in 1985. However, investigators believe Selena probably ran away from her home and did not meet with foul play. There were numerous reporting sightings of her after her disappearance and relative claims that to have seen her standing in the back of the church of Father's funeral in 1981, but none of the sightings have been confirmed. Selena was a student at Burlington High School at the time of her disappearance. She is the youngest of six children in Roman Catholic family. Her next sibling is 13 years older than she is. Her parents are now deceased, but her siblings continue to search for her. Her case remains unsolved. So if anybody knows anything, I, I'm, I'm going to say this before we give you the number to contact Burlington Police Department. The justice failed. Um, because there were tips that she was at that lake. Nobody, they did not go there and check. And that's, that's a shame. That's a damn shame. So, Burlington, you're like I'm doing this. So, Burlington Police Department, uh, 802-658-2700. Be fairly honest, I, I, I don't think that number deserved to be put out there. Because uh, the Burlington Police Department did not do their job there. But now we have one more. It, this is also going to be added to another one because we're going to tell you about the suspect for this one. This is the disappearance of Brianna Metlin. She was born on October 8, 1986. She disappeared on March 19, 2004 as an American teenager who disappeared after leaving her job at the Black Lateran Inn in Montgomery, Vermont. She was 17 years old at the time. Maitland's car was discovered the following day back into the side of an abandoned house about 1.6 kilometers away from her workplace. She has not been seen or heard from since due to confluence uh, circumstances several days passed before Maitland's friends and family reported her missing. In the days and weeks following her disappearance, numerous tips were investigated by the state law enforcement, including a claim that Midland was being held captain in a house and occupied by a local drug dealers, of whom she was acquainted. However, none of the tips resulted in her discovery. An alleged 2006 sighting of Midland at a casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey, brought re uh, but renewed interest to the case, but the woman seen was never properly identified. In 2012, law enforcement investigated a possible connection between Metlis disappearance and the serial killer Isaiah Keys, who committed numerous rapes and murders in Vermont and New York, in Vermont, New York, and the Pacific Northwest. But he was literally ruled out as a suspect by the FBI. Maitland's case was profiled as across various local media, Dateline NBC, and the documentary series disappeared in 2017. The case was discussed in the documentary series of missing college student Maria Murray, who vanished a month prior to Midlands in Woodsville, New Hampshire, as a 2021 Midlands disappearance remains unsolved. So we're going to give you to that case to this young girl. Maria Mary was born May 4, 1982, as an American woman who disappeared on the evening of February 9, 2004, after a car crash on Route 112 near Woodsville, New Hampshire, a village in the town of 
Harvey, uh, Harville. Her whereabouts remain unknown. She was a 21-year-old nursing student completing her junior year at the University of Massachusetts Amherst at the time of her disappearance. On the afternoon of Monday, February 9th, before she left the university campus, she emailed her professionals and work supervisor writing that she was taking a week off due to her death in the family. According to her family, there have not been a death at 7.27 p.m. A local woman reported a car accident on the sharp corner of Route 112. Inject to her home, a passing motorist who also lived nearby stopped at the scene and asked the woman driving in the car if she needed assistance. She declined claiming to have the car roadside assistance upon arriving her home several minutes later. The motorist reported the accident in emergency service at 7.46 p.m. Law enforcement arrived at the scene, but the woman had disappeared. Police traced the vehicle to Murray and initially treated her as a missing person on, be on the belief that she had made wanted to disappear voluntarily. This speculation was based on the travel preservations, about which she had conflicted nothing to friends or family, and obvious no evidence of foul play. In 2009, Mary's case was given to the New Hampshire Cold Case Division, and authorities are handling it as a suspicious missing persons case. In the years after Murray's disappearance, her case would receive the media attention on 2020 and disappeared and also garnered significant speculation on the internet message boards and forums. With theories ringing from induction to voluntary disappearance in 2017, the case subject documentary series on the Oxygen Network, which described Mary's disappearance as the first crime mystery of social media age, having occurred days after the launch of Facebook. But yet again, she has still not been found. Now, we were just telling you about a case of Brianna Metway. Now, this case, what we were just talking about, I mentioned Isaiah, Isaiah Keys. He was wanted suspect in her case. He was also another murderer, rapist, brain robbery. He was multiple cases involved. I'm not going to let this scumbag get one minute of my time. The sad part is about it, he took the easy way out and he committed suicide that day. In prison. Or he, well, either way, he committed suicide. I'm not going to let that piece of crap get a minute of my time on my show. He deserved to die. He knew he was going to die. But I wish he did say where she's buried at. Just like everybody, all the victims that we have mentioned. Where their bodies at through these years. They need to be found. So we can finally put them in place and resting. But some people will never do that. But I have now reached my 40th episode. I will not be on tomorrow. I am taking the whole week off. Probably I'll be taking maybe a week off for two weeks. Uh, it all depends. But ladies and gentlemen, a few days left for a lot of schools. Congratulations to a lot of kids that have graduated. My cousin Kaylee, she graduated. Also, my cousin Abby, congratulations, girl, and her baby daddy Tanner. They have their first baby boy. I talked to him earlier today. 
I love them both. I love y'all. I'm glad that my little cousin is born. He is healthy. He's going to be a big boy in the future. I'm, I'm happy for all of that. So we're ending this now with some good terms on this. But for the victims, I'm completely sorry that your stories have not been heard in a long time. And you've not been found. We will never forget that. You will be remain anonymous. Your family, to the rest of the family of this, of these stories that we just mentioned tonight, you will get justice one day, one day, and one way or another. Justice will be served. I'm Chase Farthing. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the weekend. Summer is almost here. It's been a beautiful degrees. Have a great night, ladies and gentlemen. I'll see you in a week or so.